This is Psalms to God, Season 5, Episode 10, Financial Modesty. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, NASB. God podcast. This is your host, Ree, and today we're going to be talking about financial modesty. Now, when I look at the Bible, there are a couple of people who we know were just absolutely wealthy, right? People like Job, Solomon, David. They had money. They were not broke. They were not poor. But there are also examples where we're told you know that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven we're told about the rich man who um, approaches the messiah and he's asking what he can do to get in the kingdom and he wants to just do rules like he wants to follow some rules and be a good person and messiah is like sell everything you have and come follow me And the person is very distraught because they have a great many of possessions. And the way it seems, the way it leaves off, it seems like he does not sell his possessions. So he basically is like, no, I just want to keep my possessions and not enter into the kingdom, which is absolutely insane. But, you know, that's the choice that he makes. We see the example of the man who has this bountiful harvest, which... In today's society, we wouldn't necessarily consider that rich or wealthy, but it was definitely a sign of wealth and being rich in that society and in that time period. And he was basically hoarding this. And so, you know, God's like, you're going to die tonight. You're not even going to get to enjoy this. Now, I will say that I think that there is a stark difference between being materialistic, being greedy, being in love with the money that you have so for instance the rich man that approaches the messiah and won't sell his possessions it's because he's in love with the possessions it's not necessarily problematic that he has possessions it's that he's unwilling to depart from those possessions in order to follow the messiah and that's some of what i talked about when we talked about the debt crisis and we talked about prophecy like if they issued the mark of the beast tomorrow and they said you can't buy or sell you're going to lose everything you have we're going to kick you out of your home we're going to take your car we're taking all of your furniture all of your clothes all you get to retain is what's on your back and you're going to have to fight for scraps and you're basically going to become homeless are you going to stand for the most high or are you going to be like all right take all my stuff right I, I think that's really the question that we're, that we're supposed to be grappling with. But at the same time, 
bringing these contexts into the modern era sometimes are very difficult because how they lived then and how we live now is different but also how we live now is different depending on where you are what country are you in even if you're in the united states like i am what state are you in what city in that state are you in i have now lived in a couple of different places i grew up in a small town near the beach in south carolina i ended up moving away when i went to college and so i lived in another town in south carolina i spent some time living in maryland for an internship i ended up moving to florida for grad school i lived in north florida and in south florida then i left south florida and went to texas and now i'm in north carolina so i've been a lot of places and i've seen a lot of different price ranges for how people live one thing i can tell you for certain is that growing up in a small town in south carolina my radar for what constituted upper class or um, extravagant living per se was very very different than i think somebody who grew up in a big city would have been i classified people that i grew up with as being rich because they drove bmws or they drove hummers or jaguars and there were certain neighborhoods that were considered prestigious um, and a lot of them it was more so just that they were new construction because i grew up in a small town the whole concept of like community like not communities what's the word i'm looking for like subdivisions that wasn't really a thing so like the road that i live on you have these random pockets of communities so like there was probably about like six houses in my neighborhood we're all related to each other and then there's a patch of trees and then there's another like six houses and there's a highway that runs in between it it's not a sub it's not a suburb or a subdivision so people when they started building these subdivisions and they were also like brand new houses a lot of the houses are very old because people have been living there for generations so like for instance the house that i grew up was in was built in like the 1800s and then my parents had it remodeled and restored when they bought it in the 80s um my grandmother's house is very old my aunt's house was built around the same time my parents house built that you know did their house it was probably built in like the 80s um but this is like you know us as black people if you go into the city like you know in the historic parts of town you know those houses are you know 200 years old and the same family has been living in those houses for 200 years so there was also this kind of novelty in these subdivisions because they were brand new like no one had ever seen new construction so there was just this perception that those were the wealthy people those were the rich people they have a brand new house and all of this stuff and to a certain extent some of those people were people who moved in they were what we call transplants um they moved there from places that cost more so they were paying like cash for these houses and stuff like that which also aided into this idea that they were super rich but when i left south carolina and I moved to South Florida in particular, the price point in South Florida is so much different. Even though I was on the beach in both cases, 
South Florida beaches are very different than South Carolina beaches. Ain't nobody killing themselves to get to the beach in South Carolina. But that's a multi-billion dollar tourist industry in Florida. And so all of a sudden, the houses that are right on the beach go from being, you know, generally nice houses to these are multi-million dollar estates. I'm talking, I'm not talking about a million dollars to get on the beach. I'm talking about 20, 30 million dollars to get here. And everyone is driving these super fancy cars. People are, forget a BMW and a Mercedes. These people are driving Lamborghinis and Ferraris and Bugattis. And they, y'all, they had valet parking at Publix. Not, I'm not talking about, oh, they're valeting at the mall or they're valeting at the club. They're valet parking at the grocery store. What kind of people are these? You know, my mind was just blown. I was like, this is a totally different level of wealth than what I've ever seen. And I realized that the people that I grew up thinking were rich would be lower middle class, if that, in South Florida. I went from being what I considered solid middle class to being struggle, struggle. I definitely struggled to pay my rent when I was living in South Florida. And I was making the same amount of money that I had been making in South Carolina. So when I look at things now, I have this perception or, or this realization that things cost drastically different depending on where you live and what you can afford here is not necessarily what you can afford there so when i moved to texas texas is you know it's 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 wide open country so i was able to get a whole acre of land within my budget and it was great that's what i wanted but when i had to move and now i'm in north carolina i'm closer into the city again and I can't find land like that in the same price range. I'm, I would have to jump so much higher to get that same thing. So somebody who lives out in the middle of nowhere in the country, no shade if you live here, I'm just saying it's, there, it's easier to get land in some places than others. So if you lived out in like the middle of nowhere, Iowa, you could have acres and acres. You could probably get, you know, a good 10 acres for what some of us would have to pay for an acre or a half an acre getting closer into a city like Fort Lauderdale and Miami, Austin, uh, Atlanta, big metropolitan areas. And we're not even going to talk about California. We're not talking about the Bay Area and Silicon Valley because that's just outrageous. So those people, they could be like, yeah, I live on a 10 acre ranch. And that's not really that outrageous. But if you tell me you live on a 10 acre ranch in South Florida, I'm be like, yo, you got a lot of money. You got a lot, a lot of money. It's apples and oranges almost. And yet we have a tendency to, to think about financial modesty and what people, how people are living based on what we see their materials as. We look at, and I mean, yeah, if you look at people like Elon Musk and stuff like they're that's just outrageously rich, right? When I was in South Florida, those people are just outrageously rich. 
But when you start coming back to the regular person, you have people who may be buying things that you think are expensive, but for the area they live in, they're average priced or they're they're less less pricey. But then also you have the 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 change in what that person makes versus what you make. So I started off, my first job was at McDonald's. I made minimum wage and I made 5.15 an hour. Yes, y'all, I was struggle broke, but it's okay because I was a teenager and I lived at home with my parents, so I didn't have bills, so it was all right. Um, I ended up going to a water park, made like 7.50 an hour, thought I was balling with my 7.50. And then I started doing internships. And when I started out doing internships, I still wasn't making but like 18 to $20 an hour at first. Now I am a full-fledged software engineer with a PhD. So I make a decent salary. It's definitely more than what I started off at, at 515. And what I thought was expensive when I was in college and when I was in high school versus what I think is expensive now has changed. If you had come up to me when I was in high school and been like, can I borrow $20? I'd have been like, that is a lot of money. I am not giving you $20. If you asked me for $20 now, I probably would just hand you the $20 and not think about it because it's not, it doesn't seem as much now that I actually have bills to pay and now that I make enough money to hand somebody a $20 bill. Uh, when I was in high school, I wouldn't have even had a $20 bill. I dealt in ones and fives. That was basically, $5 was basically like a lot. So it's interesting though, because when you have more money, you can buy nicer things. The question when it comes to financial modesty is, should you? If there is a standard amount, if we were to say, oh, once you cross this threshold, you're no longer being financially modest, then you would have this massive excess of money that you are what you're supposed to invest it in the kingdom you're supposed to give it away um and you know that's all well and good but you worked hard for that money too it's not like you just you know didn't do anything there are some people in the world who just inherited fortunes but then there are other people who get up and and work and they've gone through the struggle and they're battling it out every day i mean even myself i worked till eight o'clock yesterday 8 p.m., 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. I've done 8 a.m. to 4 a.m. shifts before. And so, you know, you're like, I worked for my money. Should I only be allowed to spend, you know, 10% of it and I have to give away the other, you know, 80% just or 90% just because it is a salary that may be larger than other people's salary? Or would we contend that what's actually financial modest or financially modest is scaled based on how much you make. So if you make more, then yeah, you could spend more on a house. You could spend more on food. You could spend more on clothes. You could spend more on a car. You could spend more on giving 
because you still have more after you've spent more. But again, like I said, people generally don't think about that because people generally don't know how much you make. They just see you and see that you have this car or they see that you have this house and that's what they make the judgment on. And it's usually based off their frame of reference of what they can afford and what they consider to be expensive or inexpensive. Now, in that same vein, I ended up in a situation that really made me consider this topic more strongly. And it's really part of what motivated me to include it in our conversation about communication and perspective and how we see things. Because even though this isn't quite communicate, it's not verbal communication, um, how we spend our money is nonverbal communication. And people do make a lot of assumptions about us based on how they perceive us in terms of whether we're flashy or not flashy, whether we spend a lot, you know, whether they think we have a lot of money or think we don't have a lot of money. And I wanted to explore this question that came to me as I've been searching for a place now that I've relocated to North Carolina. So just a refresher for those who have never bought a house or who are unfamiliar with um, the process of buying a house through a mortgage, because some of y'all might be rich and buying houses flat out cash. Um, those of us who have to borrow money to buy a house have to go through a bank. And the bank determines how much you can afford to spend on a house. They have a formula that takes into account how much money you make and how much money you owe for, say, uh, credit card debt, student loans, any other types of loans, if you already own a property and you're buying a second property, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to provide all this documentation about money coming in, money going out, and how, how you're going to be able to afford this property that you're asking to buy and yada, yada, yada. And at the end of this, they come back and they say, you can afford X, X amount of dollars for a house. So they may come back and tell you, you can afford $100,000 or $200,000. Or they may come back and tell you, you can afford $700,000. And then you have to decide what you feel comfortable with. So you might, they might tell you, you can afford $700,000 worth of house, but you may do the math and determine that that monthly payment is too high for you, or you just don't feel comfortable with that. And you may say you want to look at houses that are 600 or 500 or 400 it's up to you you don't have to buy at the price point that they tell you but if they tell you that you can afford 700,000 and you want to buy an $800,000 house you better have the difference in that money because they're not going to give you the extra money because they're saying you can't afford it so that is the conundrum that a lot of people experience. If you've seen people talk about this concept on social media, you have people who are like, yeah, I pay rent every day or every month, but you won't let me buy a house, right? People go in and they want to buy a house and they can't get approved for loans that will basically give them a mortgage payment that's the same or cheaper than what they're paying in an apartment because the bank is saying you can't afford that or your credit's not good enough for that or whatever. So it's that in and of itself is problematic, but it's important to understand as I tell you 
these two experiences that I had that are bringing me to a very existential, I guess, question about what it means to be financially modest, but also to be financially responsible as a believer and as a human being functioning in a capitalist, corrupt society. So I've been looking at houses here in North Carolina and the market is outrageous. Um, Houses are severely inflated, but not only are they severely inflated, they are not well kept. So when you buy a house, they deteriorate over time. Like they appreciate, the value appreciates, yes, but houses have wear and tear. A lot of houses are made out of wood framing you have roofs uh so most roofs are like 30-year roofs so after you know 20 25 years you start having a lot of issues with the roof and by the 30th year you probably should be replacing it even windows are not um they're not you know infinite like they don't last forever in fact i looked up recently how long a window is supposed to last and i think it said something like 15 to 20 years for windows, um, then you have like minor things like just, you know, like styles change. So, you know, it used to be all the rage to have like shag carpet. There was a time where, um, you know, paneling, like wood paneling was a thing. Just little things, they're more so cosmetic, but just, you know, when you talk about carpet, people spill things that get stained, it gets dirty, people have pets that you know mess in the carpet and and stuff and so a lot of times if you get if you look at houses that are older there are a lot of things both cosmetically and structurally that need to be updated for the house Um, other things i left off would be like the heating and air system the water heater things like that so as i was looking at houses i would go to a house and The house itself would be what I would consider mediocre. It's okay, there's nothing necessarily wrong with it. It's definitely not flashy, it's an average house. You could buy it and you could upgrade things the way you liked it over time, or you could leave it the way it was. It's functional, even though it may not be aesthetically pleasing. Um, But a lot of these houses had major issues that would come up later, so for instance, one house i looked at the homeowners had done a diy tiling project in both bathrooms and the kitchen but they didn't do a good job so they had where you should have like cut the tiles to fit it in where maybe say like a window corner is or something like that they hadn't done it so there was just exposed wall where they should have put this tile and in the bathrooms you could see rot around the shower door and around the bathtub because they didn't do a good job. There's a special type of um, drywall um, that you're supposed to put behind a shower that's waterproof that will help with the moisture, but they clearly didn't do that. So water was getting into the wall and rotting the wall. So at some point their shower is literally gonna fall through the second floor of their house and end up like in their living room that's not (laughs) that's not good um on top of that that same house had the original roof and the house was about 30 31 ish years old 
So the roof would have needed to be replaced fairly soon. It had an ancient um, air conditioning unit. Air conditioning units can run anywhere from like five to $10,000, depending on the size of your house. And some houses have two air conditioning units that you have to maintain. So like you're looking, I was looking at this house that I already felt like was a little overpriced. But on top of that, when me and my realtor sat down and counted up how much all of these things would cost to try to fix it, you're talking about like another 80 to $100,000 to, to fix the things that are potentially wrong with the house. Um, another house that I looked at, again, an older house, I really liked it. I actually put in a bid. I had the bid accepted and I would have been closing on that house like last week had I gone through with it. But when they did the inspection, it turned out that every window in the house needed to be replaced. Um, the same issue with the HVAC and the water heater, it was actually leaking and the water was coming through like the ceiling. Um, the inspector actually wrote like a 75 page report on what was wrong with this house. So that is where the housing market is, is that we have houses that are very expensive and they're also not in good condition on top of being very expensive. So while I've been looking at the houses, one house popped up it was actually a condo and it was well below even these two houses that i just mentioned it was super affordable compared to what the bank has said that i am able to afford and compared to what i have determined looking at my own budget that i can afford and i got really excited when i first saw this house because i thought that i could put down a lot of money on the house I could get a really, really low mortgage payment and I could do like a lot of these people who are like, I paid off my mortgage in you know five years or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I could definitely pay that off in a reasonable amount of time and end up not having a mortgage you know, in like my 40s. And that sounds like a really good idea. It sounds very promising. Now, that being said, because it was a, a condo, there was an HOA, and the HOA fee was a bit ridiculous. It was something like $500 a month, but there was nothing included. Like, there's no pool, there's no clubhouse, there's no yard or landscaping that's included. Like, I was like, what, what is coming with this? There's no security guard, there's no, like, parking garage or anything. In fact, there wasn't really any good parking at all. So ultimately the the condo and the things surrounding it it didn't work out for me it wasn't a good fit for what i need personally but i did go and look at it and i wanted to like it because i wanted to go in for this cheaper price point it is the only house i've looked at that i would consider a reasonable price for a normal working class person um and it was still very small. It was only a two bedroom uh, apartment, which was one of my issues because I need a space for my office because I work from home. And I also need a space for my parents um, because right now they visit a lot, but they're also older and eventually they may need to live with me. Um, so, you know, 
things like that were kind of like, uh, I don't know if this is right for me. But it was, it seemed like it was okay. It seemed like an okay deal. When I went home and I was going back and forth with myself of like, well, you know, I could get it. And then if my parents have to move in with me, then we could figure that out later. I could go into the office more and not work from home um, and turn that into the guest bedroom and not have an office or have like a very abbreviated office, like in my bedroom or in the living room or something. And I was trying to make things work. You know, I was like, I'd have to give up my garden, but I could garden at home with my parents three hours away. You know, like I was doing some like serious Olympics in my mind, trying to make this house fit so that I could pay less money to get it. But then I started to remember the situation that happened when I was house hunting in Texas. When I first moved to Texas, I found a house that was on the market that was sort of in my price range. It was a little below what I I thought I would have to pay and that of course excited me. But the house itself was definitely in need of a, of a makeover. It was definitely in fixer upper territory. The most shocking thing was that the house didn't have a floor. There were subfloors, so you could walk around in there. But there was no actual floor, so it was just plywood. There was no like carpet, there was no tile, vinyl, laminate, whatever type of floors, you know, cheap or expensive otherwise. There was, it was just plywood. Then the kitchen was from like the 70s or the 80s. So they like, it literally looked like walking in somebody's grandmother's kitchen, but also like the appliances were ancient they either weren't there or they were just ancient so you knew you would need all new appliances you probably should get new cabinets and a new countertop it it just it was very very dated the bathrooms weren't horrible they were functionable but they also needed to be remodeled eventually and i was looking at this and i was like you know this is kind of like you know an hgtv project and in my mind, I was like, yeah, my, you know, my parents bought an older house and they remodeled it as they went. It, what our house looks like today is not what it looked like when I was a five-year-old or even when I was a 15-year-old or even when I was a 25-year-old. They do little projects as they have the money. And so I was like, yeah, I could go in at this price point and I could have a floor put in and I could do the kitchen first and then everything else I could do later over time as I got money or as the budget saw fit. So I called my realtor and said I wanted to see the house. Well, the house went into a multiple offer bid before I could even go look at it. And it sold for at least $70,000 over the asking price, which is absolutely outrageous because probably cost almost $70,000 to put in a floor and remodel the kitchen. Kitchen remodels can be like twenty, thirty thousand dollars, and then probably cost. Okay, I'm exaggerating. Not on the twenty, thirty thousand dollars, but on the seventy thousand. It probably took them a good fifty thousand dollars to do a floor in a kitchen, which is what I was planning to do. But the person who bought the house was not somebody like me who just wanted to get the house and have their family there and build as they go and live there. It was an investor. 
So they bought the house. They completely remodeled it. They did the floors. They did the kitchen. They did the bathrooms. They did the bedrooms. They, you know, built a deck on it. Whole nine yards. They did landscaping. And then they turned around and resold the house for $650,000. The house went back on the market for more than double what it originally was on the market for within six months. And I was so disheartened because it's happening a lot. I saw that happen a lot in Austin. I'm seeing it here in Charlotte where people are coming in and they're just building houses that are outrageously unaffordable. They're taking the houses that are affordable and turning them into homes that are not affordable. And so the only people who will be able to buy the homes are the rich. And I I remember going on and on for days about being upset. But then I realized that would be the same thing I would do if I were to bid on that condo that I looked at because it was so far below what I actually can afford on my salary. I could stand to outbid anyone who bid on it. I could bid $50,000 over the asking price or $70,000 over the asking price. And I could pay the difference even if the bank said that the house wasn't worth that much money. And I still would be paying less money than I would be paying if I bought a house that was more expensive. And I would be okay financially. But I would be taking an opportunity away from somebody who that may be the most the bank will let them have. They may be working as hard as they can and that's all they can afford. And it made me question how I was looking at my financial responsibilities as a believer. Like, yeah, it's important for us to help people, but it's also important for us not to stand in the way of other people's progress. If I'm looking to buy real estate that's super cheap just because I can, I'm taking opportunities away from people who that may be their only shot at buying something because they can't go higher. And everything else in that price range is not good, not good at all. So I stopped to reevaluate what is my financial responsibility as somebody who was blessed by the most high with a job that pays a decent amount. Should I be, should I be looking higher? Something that may look flashy to someone who can't afford it may actually be the right thing to buy as long as you don't get super attached like i said don't be like the guy who's like i won't sell my house to follow the messiah you got to be ready to let it go but that's something that i've been thinking about a question that i had in my mind that i wanted to share with you guys let me know your thoughts and i will talk to you guys next week bye (laughs) 